0: Good evening. I'm Rick Cottam. Welcome to Your Maryland. Late on an August afternoon in 1934, two teenage boys entered the basement of 132 South Eden Street in Baltimore, and their lives changed forever. Theodore Jones, who lived in one of the apartments carved from the big old house, had come to the city from Pittsburgh the year before with his mother, who got by taking in laundry. Henry Grobe had jumped in when the gang from nearby City Spring Park were amusing themselves by roughing up Jones for his Pittsburgh Ways. The two became pals and decided to start a club in the basement. That afternoon, they intended to dig around the dirt floor to find a good place to bury any dues they collected. They were hacking away with a hatchet when a small green disc popped into the air. A little more digging revealed a corroded copper pot filled with thousands of encrusted gold coins dating to the 1850s. Dividing them equally, they filled their pockets and gleefully went to their separate homes. Theodore upstairs to the second floor back Henry, a block and a half away up Caroline Street. That's when the trouble started. Henry laid the coins on the kitchen table and announced, Mother, I always said I'd be a millionaire, and now I'm a millionaire. To which his mother shouted, Take that out of here. You see, Ruth Grobe, who ran a small saloon on the first floor of her building, had dodged her way through Prohibition and didn't want any attention. Roosevelt had just taken the country off the gold standard and made it illegal for people to hoard their gold, and now the Secret Service was on the prowl for violators. Henry took the coins upstairs to his sister's apartment. Her husband suggested the boys turn it in to the police to establish their innocence. They did, and by Labor Day, they were front-page news. In no time, anyone who'd ever been associated with 132 South Eden Street appeared to claim a share of the gold. Most of the claims were quickly dismissed, but the heirs of one Andrew J. Salisbury who bought the house in 1865 and who was known to collect gold coins, had a serious claim. So did two elderly ladies who owned the land on which the building rested. Needing help, the boys contacted Harry O. Levin, an energetic lawyer who frequently represented the poor and disfranchised. More good fortune came in the person of the judge who would hear their case, Eugene O'Donnell, a man who suffered no fools and whom H.L. Mencken admired as a kindred spirit. As the case dragged on through that winter and spring, life got better for the boys and their mothers. Too much better. Henry's mother, Ruth, bought a car and moved her family to the Canton neighborhood and got some gold dental work. Theodore's mother, Bessie, remarried and got a washing machine to help her laundry business. Since the court had control of the treasure, the source of this new wealth was a mystery, until Bessie's new husband complained to the police that while they were out house hunting one evening, somebody had broken into their apartment and stolen his life savings but the police soon learned he had no life savings. The boys then said they'd found a second pot of gold in the basement. Perhaps they'd just held some back from the police. We'll never know. In May 1935, O'Donnell let the gold hoard, as it was called, go to auction. Had the boys and the police not defaced the coins and trying to get them apart, they would have been worth much more to collectors. But they still fetched over $20,000. Of course, O'Donnell still had to settle the new claims regarding that second pot of gold. But Theodore Jones couldn't wait. He bought a brand new 1935 Plymouth, with what no one is sure, and like any boy, drove it fast and recklessly and without a license. When he drove it into a milk truck and struck a policeman, he was arrested and sent to the Maryland Training School for boys. In August 1937, Judge O'Donnell finally ruled for Henry and Theodore on all counts. But after lawyers, administrators, and the city took their fees, the boys were left with only about $6,000 apiece. Alas, days before the final decision was rendered, Henry Grobe dove into the harbor off Boston Street, caught pneumonia, and died. Theodore Jones graduated from reform school and, after collecting his money, lived a long and productive life, working at the Sparrows Point shipyard. He was responsible and well-liked, strict but fair with his children, and never mentioned the gold hoard again.